Boomers are redefining what retirement looks like, and for many, it means an encore career. Today, we talk to a consultant who's made her career advising high school, college students, and now professionals about what to consider when making that next big career choice. I'm Matt Mowry, Executive Editor of Business New Hampshire Magazine. And I'm Nathan Carroll, Chief Growth Officer of Granite Media Group and founder of Cardinal Consulting. And welcome to BizCast NH. Nathan. Matt, good morning. Good morning. So I got to ask. Yes. We, we're going to be talking about, you know, kind of next steps. Mm. We've already taken a big step, bought a yeah. business. <laughs> you don't say. And so it's probably a little soon to have this conversation. Is it I not? hope. I hope. <laughs> <laughs> but what's the ultimate retirement dream? Uh, you know, I actually, I was, I was literally saying this to my wife the other day where, um, I said, I just can't wait to wake up someday and take it slow, decide what we want to do, have maybe a little community impact weaved in there, play some golf, you know, well, depending on where we are, if it's here or somewhere else, we play golf or we ski or whatever, but... Oh, um, but I'll probably good. like on day one, like trip and fall into the road and be hit by a bus. <laughs> <laughs> that so, that is the nightmare, right? We like, finally get it's there. It's time to enjoy. Oh, and by the way, boom, there it goes. All right. So much for all your dreams and plans. <laughs> exactly. Wow, that went dark fast. Sorry. That's sorry, okay. Sorry. That's all right. I'm just trying to, you know, encompass everything and be realistic about how things happen in the world, perhaps. Well, and for me, the weird <laughs> yeah. thing is that I'm going to be 52 this year. No. So while I'm not like at the corner of retirement, it's coming faster mm-hmm, than mm-hmm. it's ever like I can see in 10, 15 years, there's yeah. that light and some decisions that are going to be made. And yeah. right now we're in the midst of, you know, we have our, our one kid who's on the cusp of being a teenager and one that's in the thralls of it. Um, so for me, I'm just looking forward to not being them being out of my house. I love them. <laughs> The retirement means I've done my job right, and right. they are independent and out of my basement. Exactly. You know, exactly. that's my dream. It's yeah. such a low bar. But, yeah. you know, it's interesting. My wife works um, for an investment firm, you know, a lot of retirements. And, um, you know, one of the things that she has noticed is that her clients that kept busy are the ones that are enjoying their retirement and are keeping healthy and on top of it. Mm. And those that went into that, like, I'm going to golf and watch TV and all that <laughs> declined oh, no. so fast. She goes, the aging that went on mm. was incredible. And so I'm, I'm trying to take a lesson from that. And like, I think my retirement, my, I want to enjoy it because I'm absolutely with you. You know, those should be the golden years where, you know, you're able to just travel some yeah. and do what you want. Get up when yeah, you want. Stay active. And, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I think be involved with a nonprofit. I think, yeah. you know, I want to do more volunteer work at that point and still have some purpose to the day. Like there's something that still not necessarily every day, but something that I know I need to get up to that mm-hmm. I'm responsible for mm-hmm. just to keep me sharp and on, on you know, yeah. on point. But mm-hmm. 
I'm with you. It's time to start enjoying life at that point too. Again. All right. All right. Well, we'll just remember to look both ways before. we. That's right. Screen. That's all. That's all. Well, uh, another beautiful rabbit hole here on BizCast. And that means it's time to introduce our guest. Our guest this week is Sandy Demarast of Demarast Directions. For more than 25 years, Sandy has worked in career development, coaching and training with leaders and professionals embarking on their next life and work role. Her focus is supporting people midlife and beyond to proactively chart their future, to envision a fulfilling destination beyond full-time work and family responsibilities. Sandy is a certified career management, executive leadership, academy strengths-based coach, and retirement options coach. She's a lot of coaches with a focus on transitions, retirement lifestyle coaching, and aging well with purpose and vitality. I love all of that. Sandy, welcome. Well, thank you. It's, all um, those coaches and one person. Yeah, all those coaches and there's just one person sitting here. So yeah. we have a lot to dive into. Um, your work completely makes sense to me, um, but I've personally never come across a coach focused on midlife and beyond. So we'll unpack a lot, I think, today, but really curious off the bat, how did you get into this particular line of work? Coaching in general or yeah, midlife? The midlife piece. Yeah. Well, I actually started with um, young people. Ah. And I always say I've worked with people from 18 to 80. <laughs> I love that. Um, I guess I started, a lot of my clients were, I started with young people, but my business started 2009, 2010. Mm-hmm. So when I had my first kind of kickoff event, I'm thinking it's going to be all these like fresh-eyed 21-year-olds, and it was people in their 40s, 50s, and 60s, <laughs> because it was the recession and people were out of work. So that, I became very interested in that, um, you know, thinking that they're still, they ha- I guess what I like is they have, they know what they want, they have more experience, they're a little bit more aware of strengths and skills, but they're just not sure kind of mm. how to tap into them and how to use them. So though I've worked with many different clients, I started to get my clients mid-career and even closer to retirement. And they would say, I don't want to retire. I don't want traditional retirement, but I need to figure out kind of what my shift, what my pivot's going to be. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess I just, I, I like variety. So though I started really liking working with the young people, mm-hmm. I got really sort of drawn in with people. They have these stories, they have experiences, but they don't have direction. Many said they felt adrift. That was a common word. Interesting, because you would often think sometimes like a, a younger person may feel adrift or not sure what they want to do after college, but not necessarily that person who's been around, who's done a lot of things, who can maybe check things off their list and say, well, I've done all this, so I want to do this. Exactly. And I think for many, so a lot of people I work with, they may be new empty nesters. Mm. They maybe have gone through a new life stage or transition, a move, maybe a divorce, thinking about retirement. So because everything was so maybe more structured, now it's that sort of that clean slate opportunity. And some people love that. Mm Mm-hmm. And they're excited, and other people, it completely overwhelms them. I was going to use the same I have a clean slate, but oh my God, what does that mean? What do I do? Where do I go? I'm stuck. Right. You hear sometimes Mm -hmm. that whole story of like someone woke up on the first day of retirement and went, oh my God. The party's over. What do I do? (laughs) (laughs) Right? I'm just waking up with nothing to do. And so I'm curious, you know, especially the age group that you're focused in on now, are they people who are 
because of where they are in life know like, oh, I'm at this place. I'm kind of stuck. I need help. It's okay. I'm going to reach out for help. Or is it more difficult for them because they figure like, all right, I'm, I'm, you know, in my fifties, my sixties, I should have this figured out by now. Why, you know, is, are they more reluctant? Is it harder for them to seek help? What do you find in, in among, you know, the clients you're seeing? Both, but I do find, yeah, people think I should know this. I should know what I want to do. Um, and they're a little bit reluctant. I find they're reluctant and some of them are scared about coaching, they're kind of like, what does that mean? So I, you know, I kind of just talk about like, this is what I do. And I actually had brought in this year retreats, um, which seemed to be a cool way for them to feel, I don't know, it felt like less maybe intimidating. Mm-hmm. And I'm not really a very intimidating person. No, you but, don't seem that way. No. So <laughs> I think sometimes it just, it was like a baby step, like dip my toe in the water and the retreat was a perfect way. And now I have them joining coaching groups. Interesting. And mm. then they're able to see I'm not alone in this. Mm. That's totally a huge part. And what I'd say a big part of what I do is creating community. So let's unpack this a bit because you're saying, you know, allow them to come to you and maybe this is their first experience having a coach and they're not quite sure what that means and what you do. Mm -hmm. So for our listeners, what do you do as a coach? Why do people come to you and how do you go about helping them figure out that next step in life, whether Mm -hmm. that's career or something else? Yeah. most people come to me because somebody has referred them to me. So nice. they have a little bit nice. of background as far as what I do. Mm-hmm. And then I'm really big into self-discovery and some assessment work. And that's often just a really great place to start. And just sort of asking them questions that they've never been asked before. You know, things like, you know, what is like, where do you find meaning? What are some of the things mm. you always thought you wanted to do? but have never done it. Mm. Um, sometimes it's like going back to, you know, what was something you used to love to do? Because be- it can be career, but it can also be life. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe, I don't know, in your 20s, you were super into photography and you camera went in the closet and that's where it stayed. You know, so it's asking just a lot of questions. Um, you know, what, what, how do you, what is something you do where you just completely lose track of time? So it's sort of just getting them in touch with where they find joy, what's most important to them. And if it's career, some of the same things, because I think at this point, people are looking for, even if they need to or want to work, they want to sort of find something that's more purposeful and more meaningful. So, but it gets a little bit more into talking about some of the skills, some of their experiences. Um, I'm really into values. I think everything in my mind comes down to like, what are your core values? What do you value? And is that aligned with what you're doing now? Or how can you better align it with something in the future? What are some of the myths that people come into when it comes to retirement? Because Mm. I mean, not that retirement's completely new, but I mean, it's not like it's been around forever. Most of the time you worked until you died. You know, mm. it's not until modern history where we've really introduced that idea that eventually you stop working mm. and enjoy the fruits of your labor, as it were. Um, the boomer generation is really that one that's redefining it, though, because mm. life, ex- uh, you know, the, the life expectancy is so much longer mm. now. And so 
there's still a lot of time to fill between when you stop work and when you stop life. Um, so what are some of the myths that you find your clients are coming into retirement into? And what are some of the realities that they're slamming into that is leading them to you? They think at early 60s to 65, I should be retiring. Some want to be retiring. They see retirement. Um, they might see it sort of how their parents or grandparents lived retirement, which was um, leisure. A big mm-hmm. part of it was leisure. It was maybe some volunteering, but a, there was just a different mindset. It was more like, I need, I want to do this so I can keep busy. So they're sort of in that struggle of keeping busy or finding something that is really going to be meaningful and provide purpose. Um, and so I think just, I sort of say there's old retirement, there's new retirement. And there are some people, or old retirement might be more traditional. There are some people that really want that type of retirement. Those mm. would probably not be people that I would work with because that's just what they want. But others are looking, once they retire, they're looking for something a bit more. They do. I think you had said something about, you know, watching TV and, you know, playing golf all the time. That sounds like might sound okay now, but once you get into it, it's like, how are you going to spend your time? And I, they miss sort of that, that time piece. So I don't know if I totally covered the myth piece, but I just think they, <clears throat> they sort of are living sort of the past, like I've worked really hard and now it's time to just sort of let go of things and stop. Stop the commute, stop the meetings, stop having a boss. And they don't sort of look at what I would say the benefits of working and how are you going to replace those. So, you know, we go to work. Where else do you get paid to learn? I mean, mm-hmm. we learn at work. We grow at work. We have structure. Um, we may have purpose at work. We mm-hmm. have connection with mm-hmm. people. That's, like, huge. Yeah. And so they think when they leave that, they're like, okay, I thought this was going to be great. And there are parts that are, but I'm missing that. So that's why a lot of them come to me. And we sort of work out, go through each of those and figure, okay, what are the new ways you're going to connect? What are, mm. you know, how you're not learning at a job, but how else can you learn? And what are some of the things that you want to learn about? You know, if you could attend a training or conference on any topic, like what would that be? So it's just getting them to sort of think outside the box and maybe dream a bit. Yeah, or sort of like refocus. Mm. Like mm-hmm. we have we have certain needs that right. we've been filling for what fifty, sixty years mm-hmm. in work, and mm-hmm. now we don't. We have the same needs, but we don't have that mechanism to fulfill them. So you're and helping a lot, them. To- yeah, and a lot that connection piece. That's really the when people decline. It's that's and my mm. husband actually is a financial advisor, so I. He has shared the same stories that you just told me about your wife. (laughs) And I think when people become disengaged Mm -hmm. and not connected, so they had all their work friends and those, you know, they might kind of connect for a while and then it kind of goes by the wayside. Mm -hmm. Or they might have raised a family. And I know I've met a lot of my friends through my children's friends' parents or Mm -hmm. sitting on a sports field or whatever it was. And so they become quite disengaged and they can become quite isolated Hmm. now for those that want to go on and have an encore career like Mm. they 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 finish they retire and they're like you know what Mm -hmm. i I miss work right Mm -hmm. that's great news now for employers because we have such a workforce shortage here in new hampshire but in talking to your clients what is the difference then when they're looking for that next career what do employers need to keep in mind that's going to attract 
these experienced workers and what they want in that encore career. Okay, well, they need to throw ageism in the garbage <laughs> mm. for starters. Amen to that. Yeah, and a lot of people I work with feel that that can be a barrier at times, and so I think employers need to sort of, and I think the um, my clients that are applying for jobs too. It's 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 a joint venture, but you know take advantage of they have all this knowledge they have this experience they have all this wisdom so embrace that and uh, I, I what you said about ageism mm-hmm. i think rings true too you know that um you know some employers may look at someone who's really experienced maybe temporarily mm-hmm. retired mm-hmm. and then you know are worried how long are they going to stick around mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. is this going to be a, a year and then they're going to run in either poor health or they're going to decide no i'm really want to retire um, what are the things they need to know about the reality of, the, of when folks are going back in for an encore career? And how should those that are going back in an encore career couch that mm-hmm. to assure these employers that, no, I, I'm here to make your organization better for the long run? Yeah, and I think most of them do. And I would also say, I mean, you can go across all different ages and stages and somebody coming in for a job who's 30 years old, there's no guarantee they're going to necessarily be there for the long haul right. either. I find that most people that want that encore career, they, they just need to really um, express sort of their passion and that just that honesty. Most of them aren't just going in for if someone I, I consider an encore career, a passion career, something that mm. is really meaningful mm-hmm. versus somebody that's just like, I just need to make a little extra money and I need to you know, work for the next year or two. So I guess that term encore to me is that person that is really invested in doing something. It's that person that's, you know, wants to really make the most of the years ahead and they want to take those experiences and their strengths and their skills and sort of their purpose. And so very purpose-driven is what I would say. So I think just being clearly articulating that to employers goes a long way. And I, I, think, I think most people on the other side of the table interviewing or thinking of bringing someone on can see that, can see that enthusiasm, that energy, mm-hmm. having the energy and the passion. Yeah, yeah. Um, Sandy, you in um, describing yourself and and, in your bio had said that you've reinvented yourself many times. And I think um, sort of apropos to maybe what you're doing with some of your clients, whether it's a reinvention or a refocus, but um, what are uh, some of the former roles that you've played and um, how do you feel like they've set you up for where you are now? Great. So I started... Many years ago, about a hundred. <laughs> she looks great, doesn't she? <laughs> yeah, really good skincare. Um, and I was a social worker, so I worked um, when I was in college. There was all these people in my family. You need to go into business and make money. I'm like, no, I want to make a difference and save mm. the world. I want to be a social worker. So that was my <laughs> first career, and I worked at many, many, many nonprofits early on. And it started with direct service, and then I found that that was really emotional, tr- emotionally draining for me. So mm. then I moved more into administration and program development and loved it. And then I started having children, took a little bit of an intermission, mm-hmm. and then I moved into, sort of pivoted more into education. And also had some business roles. I, I had a lot of jobs, and so 
now I feel like it's a little bit more accepted. Back in the 80s when I was hopping hopping from job to job, mm-hmm. I was a little bit known as a job hopper. Mm. I was just, I always... I always felt like what I did had to have meaning and had to align with my values. So I think that values piece personally has been really important to me. So I tried a few business ventures. I was a recruiter for a short while and learned something everywhere I went, but it just didn't, just didn't do it for me. Mm -hmm. And then I moved into higher education, working in career development. So that probably started sort of me on this path of career development. For sure. And then moved out of state um, and then worked in high schools, uh, developing internship programs and career centers. So I think that career piece um, sort of was my more recent prior to starting my business. But I felt there was always this common thread of I wanted to help other people. I wanted to make a difference. I wanted to be creative in in that way, creating programs and design programs that people would most benefit from. So there are always common threads. I don't think I saw them at the time, but it's always easy Mm -hmm. to look back and say there were some really clear threads that led me to where I am now. Nice. Yeah. And it makes sense almost. I mean, as someone who was a a full-time employee and uh, I ran a nonprofit and then Mm. uh, started a consulting firm, you're you're doing uh, a lot of these things. And then at some point you say, wait a minute, I can do this for others on my own terms. Right. And, you know, build that uh, in a way that I, I want to, right? Yeah, it was sort of interesting. I left education and thought I wanted to go off my own. I was a little bit nervous because it was a big step. And so I did a um, career certification, career coaching certification mm. program. And I thought, well, let me just try this. And we do sort of mentoring within the within the class. It was all by phone. It was people who were all over the world. And so someone was mentoring me and I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I can really do this. I know nothing about business. I've been a social worker, an educator. (laughs) And she's like, okay, this is what you're going to do. You're doing the same thing you've been doing, but under your own roof. Oh, okay. I can do that. (laughs) (laughs) Somehow I just needed to hear that. And then I, yeah, there was a lot that I wanted to do. That was hard to do in a large educational institution. Mm -hmm. So, Yeah. 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 Speaking of those coaching certifications that we also kind of talked about in your bio, um, why were those important? You obviously have a lot of ed- education and, and experience and whatnot that you can put to to work. Why were those certifications important and or what did they bring? What did they give you that you didn't perhaps have before? Well, the first one gave me a lot because mm. I really, I was not a coach. I was um, an educator and a counselor mm. <clears throat> and they really are different. And that first one really gave me the foundation. It, it actually, the coaching certification took us through the whole process of how you might work with a client. And it gave me confidence too, because I thought, yeah, I've been in the guidance department working with kids, but this felt like I definitely needed something more. And the place was called the Academies. It's out of California. I was so like in love, that sounds like a little strong word, <laughs> with the the coach and the owner of this company. She was just like a gifted coach. Mm. And so every time, and plus I, to keep certified, you have to continue with continu- continuing oh, sure. education. Sure. So every time some, something new, oh, okay, I think I'll do the executive leadership one. Because I did do some <laughs> leadership coaching for uh-huh. a while as well. Um, and then the strengths-based coach that, so I, yeah, I just kept, I, well, I love to learn too. Yeah. I love to learn and 
it's um, empowering for me, and it also helps my clients, and it keeps my certification up. So it's, I can't think of a reason not to. Yeah. And every time I do it, do one of her trainings or certifications, I meet like a whole nother group of coaches. So You're staying connected. I'm very connected. Yeah. I love to be, con- I can't live without connection. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to, um, and I know Matt's got a question, but I really want to jump back for just a second. You mentioned earlier on about retreats that you've started yes. to do. Yes. Can you kind of um, tell us maybe where those tr- retreats occur and, and what that experience is like for that group? Is it very structured? Is it not? You know, tell us a little bit about that. It's my favorite thing to talk about. Oh, good. I Here absolutely love it. So I actually <laughs> just didn't, when I say retreats, I I just did my first one this past year, but I have two more, maybe three coming in 2023. Awesome. So it was at El <gasps> Oh. Are you familiar with El Noba? But for our listeners who may not be, what's El Noba? It is a fabulous retreat center, leadership retreat center, but Mm. they hold, you know, there's many wellness, all different types of retreats in Kensington, New Hampshire. And I'd been up there for a meeting. My daughter actually got married and the after party was there. So I was very experienced with El Noba. And I knew when I had a retreat that that's where I wanted it to be. Mm. So it's... There's, I don't know, there's like 300 acres, there's walking trails. It's quite a special place. So I had my retreat in October. This was a new venture. And I tend to like new, though, you know, I get a little bit nervous, but I'm like, I gotta do something new. Um, So I I had got people signed up immediately. It was a two-day retreat. It was an overnight because I also have amazing, they call them cabins. No, I call them like beautiful cottages. I could live in one. <laughs> I'm like, can you like build me one of these? And I'm put it right on the ocean because yeah. So, and it was, so it was two days. It was definitely, there was some structure. It's called rewire retreat and sort of rewiring, like don't retire, rewire is sort Ooh, of what. And I like that. So sort of a way to unplug and reimagine what's next. That was sort of the idea. Mm-hmm. It was women, and most of them were either close to retirement or retired. A couple had a brand new business, and they were feeling a little bit stuck. So we definitely did some structure pieces. I had a mindfulness coach who was a part of it, and mm-hmm. she provided some great sort of pause, slow down, calm us down, and she did some vision boarding. So, and it was, what I found was, I tend to sometimes plan a lot because I have all these things I could be doing. And I I talked to this mindfulness coach (laughs) and we both were like, we don't want it over planned. This is a retreat. This is not a workshop. Mm. So we want time to just like evolve, have it just evolve and like read the room. And, you know, like we had structured time where we're going to go out for a walk and we're going to go journal at the reflection pond. But you could tell that at a certain point, I'm like, you know what? They're ready for like to get outside. It was mm-hmm. a beautiful weekend. It was in the fall. So I think it was having some structure, but also having time to unwind, reflect, you know, think about, you know, you're away from all the busyness of your life to really sit down, think and reimagine. So it was a perfect kind of, I thought it went really well. People loved it. And um, it just was a combo of some like structured activity, but also some time to really unplug. Mm. And the really cool part was the Friday night, it was an overnight on a Friday, mm-hmm. we decided to cook a joint meal together in one of the cabins. Oh, nice. And they loved it. 
I was going to have it catered, and, and we just decided to make some. Everybody participated, and we drank wine, and there was a fire in the fireplace, and it was like a very kind of bonding experience. So, yeah. So I am definitely doing at least two more at El Noba because it was it worked out yeah. really well there. It is kind of a perfect space it's for that. It's a perfect space for that, and awesome. they did a great job. I felt like I didn't have to. I mean, I had to plan the program, but as far <laughs> as the event, they just really took care of us really well. Nice. So, yay, El Noba. well we were just i was there in was it september for um the kickoff of leadership new hampshire oh and um experienced it and you're right it was it and and similar i mean obviously not the same kind of content but um we were in a space together doing Mm -hmm. some learning workshopping you know structured stuff and then you're absolutely right. I mean, go for a walk. There yeah. was like this almost like igloo made out of. Oh my gosh, of, the willow. Uh, the yes, willow trees. exactly. Oh my gosh, I mean, and just beautiful. I was watching sculptures the, and structures. I was watching and, the guy make that. Oh wow, it was so cool. Anyways, huh. I go. need to check this out. Yeah. Yes. yes. Come on down. <laughs> Come on up to the rewire retreat. <laughs> so we were talking there, about the well rewire early. peacefulness of retreats, but I would imagine for some of your clients, you're meeting them at perhaps a very stressful point in their life Mm -hmm. because change, even good change is hard. Um, And so what do you find are some of the common mistakes people make or self-sabotaging they do when it comes to those transitions? Because whether it's transitioning from high school into the college, college into Mm -hmm. career, or at this, what we're talking about, what do I do with the rest of my life at this later stage of my life. What what are some of the, the challenges people face with that? Some of them just think, well, some of them let things happen versus <laughs> taking ownership and creating. So I know that sounds strange, but they- We accept our ruts. Yeah, they're in the <laughs> rut and they're like, well, I don't know, maybe it's too late or maybe I'm too old or maybe there's, there's all these questions about, you know, have I missed my time, mm-hmm. you know, and or they maybe start. Well, this is what I a lot of people think, well, this is what I did. So I was working with a woman in technology and she wanted to move into an encore career, but she couldn't initially get out of the fact that it only makes sense to use the exact same skills I've used the exact same way. Mm. And she's like, well, I'd like to do this, but that doesn't really make sense. I said, okay, just throw out this making sense. <laughs> like, let's just dream a little bit. I'm yeah. not saying you're going to do it. Let's yeah. just like look at like, what if, like what would be, <laughs> you know, what would make you feel like super alive and energized? Mm-hmm. And so I think sometimes it's the mindset it definitely gets in the way. Or someone may try something. Um, someone tried to work at a nonprofit, and it wasn't a good experience. So then they just took that off the table. Mm. So I'm like, okay, well, like, what are the parts that did work? And you know, let's like, it's 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 a journey. I mean, I know we hear that word journey, but it really is because I think they think something has to happen really fast, mm-hmm. or it's not the right thing. Mm-hmm. So they get stuck. Um, and I think we all like. They feel, or they feel irrevel- irrelevant. I hear that a lot too. I'm not relevant anymore. And Ooh. yeah, yeah. Mm. So I'm like, okay, well, let's unpack that. So I think um, people do. They get in a rut. They feel like it's too late. They don't know where to begin. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many options. I don't even know. I hear people say, I don't even know what I'm interested in. Um, because for so long, I've just been on autopilot. I've just mm-hmm. been doing this like same thing over and over again. 
So it's it's really, and I love this. I love this kind of work. When I was doing strictly career coaching, it was always a part I liked versus resumes and interviewing. Um, so I think it's just asking questions and having them just reflect and think about things. And then as we're in conversation, I'll hear things that they don't even hear themselves saying. Mm. Um, I, yeah. Do you run into sometimes too self-inflicted ageism? You oh. know that that mindset. Oh, totally. I'm too old for yep. that. Now. Totally. They won't want me. I'm too old. Or yeah. so it's really interesting because I've done a lot of work with ageism. I'm actually co-authoring a book, and that's sort of one of the areas. Oh. But um, it's external ageism, but a lot of it's internalized, and it's um, yeah or. I'm I'm too old. I'm over the hill. Like kind of joking about it. Oh, oh, having a senior moment, and I'm like, I mean, there's other ways to sort of think of it. And I think for a lot of us, and I think maybe I was that way. Maybe I'm going through recovery on this. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that we sort of overvalue youth. Mm-hmm. Like when someone goes, "Oh my gosh, you look like you haven't aged in ten years," and I'm thinking, "Oh well, thank you," but then I'm like, "We're overvaluing youth and not valuing like aging. We're all aging, mm-hmm. and the age that we're at, there's like some really <laughs> great things about it. Yeah, there's some things maybe that aren't as great, but so I think a lot of people, and I think they set themselves up for um, disappointment because they're just have all this internalized dialogue about ageism. So I do, I do believe that's something that happens that people aren't even aware of. I'll just give a quick example. Mm-hmm. I had um, a program pre-pandemic called Yappers. <laughs> okay. So, okay, so young at heart with purpose. So Y A H P. Cool. And I'm like, this is so cool. So I had an event at LaBelle Winery, and mm-hmm. it was a huge hit. It was January 2020. Um, pandemic came fizzled and I was going to bring it back and then I started thinking about this whole ageism piece and I kind of felt like well young at heart I know you're saying at heart but that was it just I felt like that is a form of internalized ageism Mm -hmm. so anyway so I've changed it to next chapter calling um I still have a group yeah chapter calling what do you what do you call to do next yeah like let's like explore and examine that cool so yeah I think I've and like you know anti-aging products okay well how about enhancing age? I don't know something. There's there's a lot of things out there that just become part of our like normal conversation and yeah, dialogue. But now, just with you saying that and and thinking about it, it's like oh my gosh, there are so many things. Mm-hmm. And and um, you know, the, even the young at heart phrase. It's well, okay, fine. Like we we get what we're trying to say there, but why not just like I don't know, not old at heart, but just. At heart, or right, with, or you're just, and I didn't it's think okay about to, it. I well, didn't, and, yeah. and, and that's, I think that's okay too, but it's just interesting that um, we sort of do that and then we go, oh, but, and I was thinking what you, what you had said early on is that you're, you are talking with and working with folks to um, dig up what they say used to be interested in, right? Mm-hmm. And, and maybe that would then give them the confidence to, and maybe that's a lot of what it is too, is you're saying, oh, I'm having a senior moment. And maybe it's a little because you're self-conscious, you're not as confident in Mm -hmm. that particular environment. Right. But with your help, um, they're able to say, no, like I'm, I'm, I'm aging and that's okay. And I've I've got a plan or I'm I'm doing what I want to do. And I think that's really valuable and interesting. Oh, thanks. I think it's, yeah, the confidence is huge. I think that happened at the retreat. There were tears at this retreat. It Mm. was quite, 
emotional. They were some very high achieving women who were very, very career focused. And they just like, this is the first time they said we've ever done anything like this, like to really just get away and really and have these conversations with people. So it's interesting. Well, I think it is interesting to take a look at the societal Mm -hmm. messaging that Mm -hmm. we get as we get older you know we do celebrate youth culture you know Mm -hmm. um you know the 40 under 40 the neck you know the 20 somethings (laughs) that are up and rising but you don't hear about you know the 50 and 60 year olds who are making it happen (laughs) we just don't do that and yet you know you know we feel like we should be apologetic for the fact that we have gray hairs and wrinkles now Mm -hmm. even though and Mm -hmm. i and you know i think there's more people reclaiming that going you know what this is me. I, I don't need to hide all this mm-hmm. because I am the age I am. Mm-hmm. I have earned every one of these through my experiences. But there's still that there is it's messaging like- that comes at you that somehow you getting older, a very natural process we're all going to go through mm-hmm. is your fault. Right. 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 Well, right. even even having, you know, say airlines, for example, I have a number of friends that are pilots that there's this forced retirement age. You must retire by this age. Well, what if I've got a lot of life and, and ability right, left right. in me? Exactly. You know, why do I have to do that? I don't like the musts and the shoulds. Yeah. I just don't like. And, you know, I remember people are like, oh, 60 is the new 50. I'm like, OK, why can't 60 be the new 60? <laughs> right. <laughs> How about we just redefine okay, 60? OK, come yeah. on. <laughs> do I smell like a 70 under 70 for the magazine I or what? I think we're going to have <laughs> yeah. to. There you go. Now, <laughs> you are literally writing your next chapter of life. Yes, you you mentioned you're doing a book. Mm-hmm. And uh, can you talk about, you mentioned a little bit of what it's about, but can you talk about what the book's about and why this was important for you to take on? Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. So I'm co-authoring with two other people. I'm not sure initially. I did think it was important to take on. I never had a book on my list of things to do. Sure. But there were these two other people. We were part of this community called Too Young to Retire. It was a program that, like, you become a facilitator and you lead groups. So there were these two people. I only knew them online. One lives in England. One lives in Washington, D.C. And they said, we want a third person, and we want you to co-author this book. And I said, I am not an author. I cannot do that. (laughs) (laughs) And so I said no. And they found somebody else, and that didn't work out. So six months later, they call me back again. (laughs) And I said, I don't know. I don't know if I'm right. They go, we have an editor. You have a lot to say. You have a lot of experience. Mm -hmm. We really want you to do this. I said, okay, okay. Good. So (laughs) it's been three years. Um, Zoom every Monday, 9 (laughs) o'clock. for three years. We met once. We met once when we first started, and it's now in the hands of a publisher and editorial staff, and it's done. It's too long. It's the working title is Living Consciously, Midlife and Beyond. So we each took certain chapters. So, you know, it goes, there's purpose, living well, work, um, work because you have to work for fulfillment, which is sort of that whole encore and volunteering, um, resiliency, I'm not going to remember all the chapters, but it's it's way too long. Um, we it needs to be pared down, but the it's hopefully going to be published September October of this year, which is so great. It's it's been a lot of work. It's been really hard. Yeah, I, I was so. not at all confident, but I feel like I've grown a ton, and I feel wow. like super excited about it. And it's been fun as a collaboration. I'm not sure I would have. I don't think I would not have taken it on myself. Mm. 
And so what can people expect to get out of the experience of reading it? Like what, who is it written for and, and why is it an important read do you feel? I would say, I mean, it's a lot of different ages, but I'd say it's specifically targeted, said like 50 and up, mm-hmm. maybe late 40s and up. And it's, I sort of used the term autopilot before because I think it's those of us, and I was one of them, that you kind of just going through the motions, going through life, you know, working, paying the bills, going to the kids' activities. And so now we have this sort of wonderful opportunity to sit back, get a little bit more intentional, mm-hmm. and really sort of think through and consider how you want the second half to look like. I mean, what are the things that you want to do? And so we have reflection questions at the end of each chapter. So it's some of the things, type of things I've talked about here, but it will go a little bit deeper. And I think the value of the three authors is that we all bring a little bit of a different um, experience. It's very story-oriented. We interviewed 50 people. And I know for me, I love reading when I can sort of learn through other people's experiences. So I think the expectation is it'll give people an opportunity to go a little bit deeper within themselves, connect with themselves, and just think about, you know, what are the things that I want to have done, you know, before, um, I don't know, 90 years old? (laughs) What are some of the things that are still left in me? What am I still, like, what will energize me and... um, I also wrote a chapter on relationships and connections, so that's you can tell that's a very passionate area yes, for me. Yes. But I think, like, what are the relationships that we maybe want to let go of? What are the ones we want to mm. nurture? What are the ones we want to deepen? So again, and one of those relationships is with ourselves. How do we want to, you know, connect with ourselves? So I think people get a lot out of it, and will help them sort of forge maybe a new path of their what's next. And so, once this is pared down and released in the fall, where will people f- be able to find it? We're still working through that. It'll definitely be on Amazon. Um, we don't. It'll be. There'll be an ebook and there'll be a paperback. I'm not sure nice. about the hardcover. And we're debating whether it will be in bookstores. A lot of it will be also used in our all of our work with retreats and mm-hmm. and um, presentations and working with people. So so stay tuned. That that's part of the process that we're working on now. Very cool. Very cool. Well. Sandy, you are um, you're doing some important work, and and I think um, uh, maybe even some of our listeners will will reach out and say, "Jesus, she's the one. She's the one I need to plan the the rest of the rest of, of your life, my life." Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Right. 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 We say it when we're eighteen. We say it when we're not eighteen yes. anymore. So um, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you. Um, before we wrap, though, uh, is the the book? It seems to be the big one. Anything else for future plans? You've got more retreats in twenty three. You said Anything more retreats. Else that you're I have on? next chapter calling cohort starting at the end of January, which is small group coaching. Which I tend I I do individual coaching, but I've definitely gotten more. I feel like this particular age group kind of going through this what's next hmm. group support group accountability group sharing so yeah so small groups retreats and the book i would say are yeah. my are my biggies keeping you busy keeping, keeping me busy. busy and i love every minute of it it's Fantastic. very fulfilling for me thank you yeah. so much sandy demarast is founder of demarast directions it's been an absolute pleasure to get to know you and hear about your work thank, thank you. you so much i appreciate it Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed the stories and information you heard on today's podcast, find more by subscribing to Business NH Magazine or visiting businessnhmagazine.com. I'm Matt Mowry. And I'm Nathan Carroll. BizCast NH is a production of Granite Media.